Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Major Revisions. Back in action after a significant hiatus, uh, I'm John Walter from Charlottesville, Virginia, and with me tonight is Jeff Atkins calling in from... Where do you, What town do you officially live in now, Jeff? Uh, I'm down in uh, South Carolina in like the Aiken, Augusta, Georgia area. Yeah, it's finally, win- finally winter, actually. It's uh, not been very cold here. But even then, the winter's not all that harsh, honestly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Did you did you guys get any snow last week? God no. Well, I just we we got a we got a bit. <laughs> How much snow did you end up with? We ended up with, I guess, like uh, probably like seven or eight inches across a couple of storms. Um, the one storm was real, uh, the snow was really heavy and there's a lot of tree damage. Uh, we lost power for a little bit and, um, spent the weekend cleaning up the yard and there's still a, a branch hanging, (laughs) hanging down broken, but still, you know, partway attached that is just out of my reach. Uh, and, uh, I'm not brave enough to climb up the tree to... (laughs) Uh, get it with a with a chainsaw. Is it close to your power line? I think you could like go to the power company and be like, "Oh, look at this! It's endangering your infrastructure," and then they'll come out and take care of that for you. Do you know Dominion? You got to sell it. You know, you got to sell it. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's it's it. not near our power line either. So okay, yeah, just wait it out. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, someday it'll fall, probably <laughs> on a car, a person, a dog. So, John, should we say the the big, albeit sad, announcement? Yeah, go for it. So, we, um, you may have noticed a large gap that we, um, you know, in, in the frequency of episodes, something we've been trying to work on getting up and it just hasn't really worked out and... You know, we talked to um, Grace has decided that you know her regular contributions to the show have, have you know, come to an end, and you know she does look forward to continuing to listen and support Major Regions, of course, and and also hoping to become and be like a guest host or you know kind of guest on the show in future episodes. So you know we're definitely going to miss her um, tremendously. She is a huge part of this uh, show and has been since the beginning and. Although she won't be on here regularly, we do hope you know she continues to be a part of this moving forward. Yeah, so we'll miss Grace, but uh, we are planning to be back for real this time. I know we gave regular listeners kind of a false start <laughs> with the last episode that we released, and then uh, yeah, kind of went back on unplanned hiatus for a little while. Um, but yeah, we've got some cool stuff planned, uh, including um, some episodes with guest co-hosts um to kind of bring in some different thoughts different perspectives uh than uh jeff and i have and um kind of broaden the um the voices and expertise on the show back out again so um so stay tuned for that yeah absolutely and we hope to get up to a regular schedule and um you know kind of be more frequent and 
and doing that moving forward. So, what brought us back, and what are we talking about today, Joe? Oh, what brought us back? Uh, it's just that we wanted to keep doing this, um, and it's and it's you know it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been effort too to keep it going, and and that's part of the reason it uh, kind of fell by the wayside with the pandemic and some other personal and career changes that uh, all of us were experiencing at the at the time and um those are those are especially the pandemic kind of still ongoing but uh we wanted to get back into it and get back into a groove and, and keep doing this uh, and kind of kind of in that vein what we wanted to talk about uh today was uh some of our professional and personal new year's resolutions and where we'd like to go uh in the next year i'm gonna start off on this one the New Year's resolutions, which I feel like this is a show we've had in the past. I think, I, I think, I think it is a a recurring series. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, when the calendar gives you something to mm-hmm. to work with, just gotta roll with it. Uh, my first one is related to reviews, paper reviews. So I think over the last couple of years, since doing reviews for papers is something I enjoy. Um, you know, but I've found myself getting more and more delayed in my turning in reviews. And so like, I feel like I'm not, I'm just a bit behind on that. So I think what I'm going to do is par down the number of reviews that I do, um, which may sound like an abdication of work, but I, you know, I, I think this is something I talked about before. Like I, I probably do somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to forty or more a year. Um, That's I, a lot of reviews. Yeah, like I'd rather do better ones and get them in on time, and be more on top of things. But it was one of the things like during you know pandemic. I think a lot of people were, you know, sending in more papers. Maybe and some people weren't, and then you know some people I think were in different life situations and weren't able to review. So you know, I, I try to do the best that I can on that and be supportive community wise but i think i'm going to try to do fewer like shoot for like 20 you know maybe like a couple a month and then try to do i think a better job on that and be more supportive of that um to be more thorough so i think that is my first one that's a good one one of the things that i struggle with on that is like they seem to come in bunches like if they were kind of like all spread out like i got one you know every like couple of weeks throughout the year that wouldn't be that big a problem but i feel like they're really clustered like i'll go months without getting any invitations and then get like three or four or five in like a span of a week and i'm just like i can't do all these (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like december is like the time is is a crunch time as well but i also think we're gonna see there's probably another wave that comes you know first couple weeks of january as well some of the themes from from that kind of pick up in my main professional resolution for the year which is uh to do less but more meaningful work tell me more about that what do you mean well so i i think in the past couple years especially um i've been really busy you know, and I like, I, and I've done a lot of stuff and like, it's not like, you know, 
cynical CV filler kind of stuff. Like it's stuff that, um, you know, mostly is, you know, is, is good work that I'm excited about, or I'm helping somebody else out or like I'm fulfilling, um, you know, some kind of like obligation to, uh, a grant funder or something like that. But it's been a lot. I've been really bad about saying no to things, uh, like a lot of academics are, like a lot of people are. Um, <laughs> I really want to resolve to try and pare that back a little bit by, you know, focusing more on things that I think are, you know, are, are more meaningful. And, you know, in conjunction with that, like doing fewer things overall. Um, and so I've thought a little bit about how I want to kind of measure that. Um, and some things that I think are meaningful are, you know, things that, you know, really make like a substantial conceptual or methodological advance um, in terms of the science. Uh, you know, stuff that's really, you know, kind of management or conservation relevant. Um, and, but like actually like following through on that, not just like, oh, you know, answering this question could have a, have an impact, but like actually kind of building the relationships with the right people and, um, sharing that work in a way, um, and, and, and a lot of times that means, you know, co-producing that work uh, with people who can actually, you know, use that information, put it into practice. Helping out students and other like early career folks is also something that I think is, is meaningful. I was recently asked to be on a couple of PhD committees and collaborate with some junior scientists on, uh, on stuff. And, and that's something that I think is a really important uh, responsibility in terms of, um, helping to, you know, not just make sure those folks, uh, do good science, um, and are being trained, um, in the right way, but are having, you know, kind of positive professional experiences and, um, you know, getting plugged in with, uh, with people and organizations that can, um, support them and help further their careers. So now that you're you're probably um, you know more than a year or close to a year into, uh, I'm trying to figure out the way that you remember how you described it on the last recorded episode that we had, um, the non-traditional, non-academic role. Like how has that, like the way that you're, you know, those choices and outcomes shaped this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, I think one of the things is that um, since I'm not in a tenure track position, like obviously one of the costs of that is security. Um, but one of the benefits of that is I'm not really evaluated like directly in a whole lot of aspects except for can I keep my ass funded? <laughs> Like, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And like, you know, there's some pressure there, uh, definitely. Um, and there's some ways that like, that's, that kind of sucks. But like, I, I feel like that I, I also feel at the same time that I'm free to, 
set my own goals in a way that I'm not sure that everybody on the tenure track is because, you know, I don't have a, you know, committee of people evaluating what I'm doing and trying to decide whether or not they're going to grant me tenure. I like it. I like it. So I think my next one is going to be, um, I struggled with how to word this one, but, um, cause I think time management's an unattainable goal. Um, truly, but I think it's to try to be more tractable and things that I can point to is finishing a lot of the low hanging fruit type things that I started because I thought they would be kind of easy. And then maybe they were, and I just haven't finished them. So, but so so offline, John and they were talking about uh, you know something in review or whatnot, and um, you know I was thinking about you know papers that I had that were outstanding, and some are much closer than others, and I don't know why some are closer than others, and so I was just trying to figure out a way prioritize them. Like how to move that forward, I guess, is maybe the real resolution, right? So I remember like David Siegel kind of told me his plan, which I think is probably one that most people do, is try to always have like a paper at every stage of the process, right? It seems that I move a lot in spurts, that I'll have, you know, two or three or four papers in review at the same time, and then nothing that I'm working on (laughs) because I moved all of them out at the same time, or, you know, I'll have like... You know, now I've had a few things come out fairly recently, which is great. And then just having a bunch of stuff that's in prep. So, like, trying to aspire to get more towards a sustainable, consistent process like that. And I think one of the ways to do that is to just finish these things that are, like, 80 and 80, 90% and really just need some concentrated effort. That said, I am kind of curious just in the bigger picture thing. Why do some projects or some papers get to that endpoint, or very close to the endpoint, rather, and then struggle to go to the finish? Like, is there a common thread amongst those type of projects? Because I don't know if everybody has those. Maybe a lot of people are just natural closers. You know, it's something that Grace has talked about before. And, you know, that's like a skill she has. Is she's a hard closer. And that's awesome. Um... But I think a lot of people have those projects or those, you know, whatever that come real close and they kind of get stuck. Not that they don't finish you know, anything, but like get them to like a certain point and then there's something, you know, kind of holds it back. You know, because there's another mm-hmm. old adage about how like, you know, the last 5% takes just as much time as the first 95%. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can attribute that quote to John Walter. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. And so I don't know exactly how to, to do that. But that's, you know, something like maybe I need to set aside time or accountability and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, well, so this is probably more of like, in some respects, more of like a proximal than an ultimate thing. But when I think about projects in my career that have kind of lang- languished, like a lot of it has to do with the collaborators. And not that they're like shitty people to work with. <laughs> um, but like... I've I've worked with a really wide range of collaborators who are like everywhere from like 
you know, sort of like super hands off, like they help come up with an idea. And if you ask them questions about it, they'll respond to you. But like, they're not, they're not really like getting their hands dirty with code or like with writing um, and stuff like that. And they don't really like, they don't really, uh, I mean, push, of course you can push in like constructive and non-constructive ways, uh, but they don't really like, you know, push on you to try and um, encourage you to keep going. And then I worked with other people who are, you know, are very collaborative um, and, you know, we do a lot of stuff as a team. We, you know, share code. We, um, you know, meet on Zoom and just like work on stuff for, you know, a couple hours on a fairly regular basis. Um, and, you know, some, like sometimes there's fits and starts because like stuff happens, things come up, but like my projects with more hands-on collaborators get finished. And my projects with collaborators who, not that they're unhelpful, but they're, you know, kind of just willing to let things slide. And if I don't lead it, they're not really, you know, too put out by it either way. Uh, those are the ones that kind of, kind of slide. So there's some kind of like, it's partly extrinsic, but it's also partly like the cooperation of other people, um, helps to move things forward. So I don't know how that comes with a solution. <laughs> okay. So to... Here's what we need to do is, um, because I think you're right. Like, I, I think when you, when you're saying like, yeah, it depends on collaborators. Like, I don't think you're, I don't take that as like, you're blaming other people at all or that they're shitty. I think there's also just the simple fact that like different people, Joe, with different people. Right. So yeah. we, we need something like a Myers-Briggs or assessment <laughs> test, you know, that tells you what kind of collaborator you are and gives you a score. And then that way we can pair up teams or something, or, you know, you can go to a collaborator and you can be like, I'm a blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if I'm the same type, like, shit, we need to find somebody else for this team. Or this paper is going to take 15 years to write. Um. Uh, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be honest though. Like sometimes I'm the hands-off collaborator and sometimes I'm the hands-on collaborator. Yeah. So what's the thread? Like what makes that though? Cause I've, you know, I've been both. I think it goes deeper than that. I think it, you know, it has a lot to do with your, like group or co-author to co-author dynamic. Um, like earlier on in my career, I had pretty much exclusively worked in a style where like I drove everything forward and my collaborators would, you know, help uh, with advice and, you know, with editing the manuscript and, you know, occasionally they had some, you know, code that they could share with me, but like, 
they didn't sit down and write new code for this project alongside me, for example. Um, and then this is a project with, uh, with Lauren Hallett was, um, she's at, uh, she's a professor at, uh, at Oregon now. Um, we were both postdocs at the time and we worked really collaboratively and like we both worked on analyses. It was more of like a team thing. Um, we both worked on writing, um, and, you know, this kind of like carried for forward into a working group that uh, Lauren and I were, Lauren was a leader of and I was a part of um, and starting to do more kind of like team science and um, sharing responsibility for stuff. And I really like that dynamic of working, um, but yeah, it just, it doesn't carry through um, all of my collaborations uh, even now, and I'm not entirely certain why that's the case. Maybe it's yeah, maybe it's too context or situational dependent. That's probably fair. But you know, in in terms of in terms of what I do, um, I try to think about what things are closest to being finished, and you know, and, and that's something that I weigh and how I prioritize what I work on. Um, and I think that that. You know, it doesn't always help make things move faster, um, but it kind of helps things from getting stalled at that stage where, you know, there's already a manuscript written uh, or partly written and it's just like not really coming together yet. Yes, I'm not like that. I'm the boyfriend meme who has the manuscript ready to finish, <laughs> but finds the new shiny thing and then is on to that. Um, and so that's the thing that I got to figure out a way to get over. Um, it the, like the common thread admittedly, like I think of two papers that I have like that are real close. One is that like, it's a big team led project and it was already submitted at one point, but it was submitted in a form that no one was really happy with and we had a deadline, whatever. Um, and so that's just difficult. Like you're thinking about like ideas for, you know, kind of future episodes and stuff. Like, I would really like to get somebody on who could talk with us about how to better effectively lead those big team project papers. Uh, you know, like co-written, where you got to do that. Like, if there's anybody who's really good at that or somebody, you know, please recommend those to us, them to us. Um, you know, and the other one is just a methodological slog. Like, it's, it's not really a clear way to get to you know, where we're going to get. But the, the team written paper thing is more of the issue because it's like, well, you know, you want to involve everybody, but at some point it's like, well, you just got to take the effort and just move it forward. And, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah. That's also an experience that I've had that like, sometimes you just have to take the bull by the horns and be like, all right, this is what we're doing. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is going to sound like a much more extreme ultimatum than I really mean it to be. But like, this is what we're doing. If you're not in, you're not in. And um, and sometimes it just takes, you know, someone taking the initiative to to do that, um, to push those things over the over the finish line. Um, 
Yeah, because with big stuff, it's hard to do everything collaboratively. So, do you have any other professional or related resolutions? Mm, that's kind of my big one, is is do less but more meaningful work. You have a person... So, should we talk... I was going to say, should we talk about our personal resolutions? Yes, but I want to ask you about one, because I want to know what the hell you mean. What does learn how to rest better mean? Dude, I'm terrible at taking time off. <laughs> like, there's just something, like, deep-seated and psychological that, like, I, I'm just, I'm not good at resting um, or, you know, or doing nothing, like, I spend a lot of my time off, uh, you know, working on projects around the house, like woodworking stuff, like, you know, cleaning, home maintenance, stuff like that. And like, there have been, there have been times, especially, uh, you know, in kind of like the, the worst parts of the pandemic that I've just been like exhausted, but like, something psychologically <laughs> like I couldn't just like you know sit still you know turn off my brain turn off my body and just chill that's because so I, I think, think we the... all have adult onset ADHD <laughs> is that the problem I think that's part of it yeah it's like it, it's not like a, it's not like a you can't pay attention to things it's just that you can't stop trying to fill something and trying to do something and just kind of anxious and nervous all the time and just like want to be something you can't really rest and um tough to turn your brain off kind of thing yeah i mean that that definitely fits with me <laughs> uh, I, I mean i don't know if that's a clinical diagnosis but um yeah, just really not good at, really not good at resting, not good at taking time off. And like, you know, I think, I think part of that is because I do really find like the things in my life rewarding. I'm super, super fortunate um, for that. Um, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be healthy for me to be better at like, stepping back and, um, you know, kind of getting some real rest, you know? I think that's a good idea. I think you should do that. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm, I don't know how to do that. Um, but I'll try and figure it out. This is our offshoot podcast, major clinician, where we <laughs> diagnose people's, uh, issues without any real information or ability hashtag not that kind of doctor um yeah kind of related to that i was like and there's like you know I wrote down get a goddamn hobby um which has been like i think a one for a long time and i don't really know like you know pandemic has allowed me to like just watch a shit ton more movies and then um you know my oldest got me into playing 
more video. Well, both of them got, you know, kids got me into playing more video games in the last couple of years. But, like, really recently playing this stupid... I don't even like shooting games, for the record. Like, I don't. I have no interest in these type of video games. But it got me into this stupid game called Battlefield that there's a cooperative element to the game where you can play like supporting roles of like people who build stuff or people who are medics and for some dumb reason this appeals to me and it's like stupid addictive to like play these giant online things and it's i have no idea why but it's like a little bit like crack though is the problem is you start playing and each one takes like 45 minutes and you're like okay just one more and then it takes 45 more minutes and you're like damn it it's two in the morning i need to go to bed (laughs) but it's so, like, oh, the North American servers aren't working anymore. I'll switch over to the other ones. <laughs> like, I don't think that counts as necessarily a healthy hobby. Not that I'm, like, dissing watching movies or video games or anything. Like, I think that's um, a very sound thing. I think the, it's, you know, being able to balance things is the important um, consideration. But finding some type of, you know, tractable, producible hobby. Because I think a lot of people like us go into... Um, hobbies where you have something at the end of the day you can hold in your hands you know whether it be you know something that you build woodwork or bread or whatever Um, you know so something like that would probably be a strong personal goal for me instead of using work as a hobby yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you and I are like, you know, obviously different people in different places. Like, part of my response would be like, "Man, hobbies are overrated." Tell me more about this. <laughs> well, all right. So, so you know, so for me, um, I kind of feel like the my sort of like productive hobbies are like wrapped up in not being good at resting. Like, you know, I, I do word woodworking. I work on my house. Like, I mean, these are all kind of like, these are, these are good things in certain ways because they're so different from my day to day. Like they really do kind of give me, you know, kind of give my brain a space to think in a different way and, um, you know, kind of to produce something tangible in a relatively short amount of time, you know, unlike my academic career that, you know, takes like, you know, months to years to produce (laughs) a, you know, a paper. Um, Delayed in fulfillment. Yeah. Because it's not gratifying, yeah, so like, but it's maybe fulfilling. There's a difference, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there is like, you know, some stuff where it obviously kind of like fills a psychological hole. And I guess that's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like my choice of hobbies and um, the way that I do them is kind of related to this like issue with not resting well yeah man <laughs> this is why people tune into the show is because they they miss us as people this is a, this is i've always felt like a personality based podcast you know like we're not 
that's part of who we are. I could be wrong. I mean, we don't have a lot of gimmicks in this podcast. We just kind of talk. No, we don't. And I think I, I do have the worry now that like you, if you without Grace here routinely that we're just gonna like plummet like absolutely <laughs> we're gonna find out that like everyone tolerated us but like it was really truly grace was really the star which is fine we'll just she she is a star yeah. well, john i guess we should wrap it up can i ask you a, a final question then before yeah. we wrap up um if you had to do if you were gonna spin off and do your own alternative podcast what do you think you would do it on sports man on what? Sports. All right, which you got to get it. You got to be real niche about it, though. Like, how are you gonna? What's your? What's your unplanned thirty minute or thirty second elevator pitch for me? F- fuck, man. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine. If I had to do an all a spin off spin off podcast, I would want to do one of those like movie based podcasts. Um, uh, like watching movies from a scientific perspective, but not being on Neil deGrasse Tyson about it. Just more of like, I kind of want to watch Geostorm and Volcano and not like talk shit about them, but like actually enjoy them, but also revel in the aspects that are kind of crazy. Like my favorite one's like Good Dinosaur, the Pixar movie. There's a part where there's a giant flood. And if you watch, they uh, start out the movie up on top of like where it looks like they're raising crops and it's like a big flat area and then this little kid gets washed away in the flood and then the flood gets carried into the mountains. And so if you look at it, you're like, how did the water wash this kid uphill? And it always kind of, that was one of the first ones that bothered me. I was like, wait a minute, that's wildly <laughs> off. But anyway, it would be a spinoff of some type of you know scientist at the movies that wasn't pedantic. Because that's annoying. I mean, all right, there are a ton of good and a ton of really bad sports podcasts, but that's just like that's just like the other thing that I can talk about besides science is, especially like I'm a Philly fan, so uh, Eagles, Flyers, uh, also was a college tennis player, so. Um, Fuck, I don't even want to talk about Novak Djokovic right now, but <laughs> dude's a dick. Okay, um, I have no idea what's going on. Tell me about what he's doing. Oh, alright, so he's just like a big like vaccine skeptic, and he uh, Australia just tried to keep him out of Australia. The A big Grand Slam tournament, the Australian Open, is coming up. Um, it's a huge political fiasco. Um, so base like some Australia has, uh, a rule about all visitors needing to be vaccinated. Jo- Djokovic is not, um, he received like a medical exemption. It was contested in court, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, like regardless of whether or not he should be able to play, uh, this tennis tournament. The dude is just like a fucking idiot, um, <laughs> and he's a he's a phenomenal tennis player, and that's kind of I don't know to me the shame of it because if you take away the person, like his game is incredible. Um, it's like tr- truly, uh, he has a chance. He's probably the greatest tennis player ever, but he's just a shit shit human 
So. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think we need a future episode on, um, not not tennis necessarily, but the the idea of how do you how do you handle, you know, people whose work is quote unquote important, but they are terrible, shitty, shitty people. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, or like I mean, I don't know, like, or they're kind of in between, right? Like, mm. like they you know they did some they did some good things in areas outside of just like their science or their art or whatever but there are other areas where they're fucking lousy i think i think that's the the more um the more difficult perspective because like i don't know i mean i don't care what you did for science or art, like, you know, if you're a racist and a rapist and, you know, a million other, like, you know, things, um, I don't really care about you, but, uh, you know, if you were, you know, kind of good on some issues, but lousy on others, I I think that's the the tougher case you know yeah i think that's fair and you know it's just um that's something to kind of grapple with like i, I was looking at like uh the the c-span does that survey of historians every year where they you know rate they rank the presidents and um nearly abraham lincoln routinely gets number one on that list um you know he gets credit for a lot of things but like it's not like he was you know totally a saint Right, like, no, no. he's perfect. Like, yes, you know, he made the Emancipation Proclamation. He was a really influential president. But also, like, during his lifetime has, you know, written and said, or, and said like, very racist things. And yeah. sure, like, you know, there's context-dependent, there's time-dependent and everything else, too. But, um, you know, it's, it is it is something to think about. And so be a fun one to get, fun thing to do, because I have no good answers. Yeah, I mean, either that or we'd, you know, open up a fucking awful can of worms, but we'll probably do it anyway. That'd be sweet. Cause... We've never, we don't get hate mail. The only thing we said we have, like, shitty <laughs> recording, and whoever does the mixing does a terrible job, and that's me, so, like, I'm never claimed to be good. All right, John, you have anything else to add to this? Nah, man. Let's have a good 2022. Yeah. I mean, it's... Probably going to suck, but let's not make it really, really bad. Yeah, I'm shooting for a, 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 a good, you know, just a, a C year, if we can get to a C, C minus year. Gentleman C, gentleman C. Gentleman C, just let us pass. Um, yeah, a European fair, or American <laughs> exceptional. Listen, if I make it to the end of the year, and neither me nor my spouse nor my in-laws have gotten COVID, that'll be the most important victory of the year. Well, hopefully you don't get long COVID. I have a feeling we're all going to get COVID. Dude, I'm trying not to be fatalist about it. (laughs) My test comes back tomorrow. I'll let you know. (laughs) We'll see.
if I got it, dude, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't know what else you can do. I, cool. Well, hey, thank you guys for all listening. Um, you know, we're glad to be back and hope to, you know, be back pretty routinely. Yeah. And if you want to guest co-host an episode about a topic, maybe something you want to talk about, maybe uh, an important paper to, mm-hmm. you know, your work or one that's recognized as a classic in ecology, uh, drop us a line. Yeah. Our email is majorrevisionshow at gmail.com. At gmail. You know how, you, everyone knows how emails work. I don't know why I'm guessing. Or just hit us on Twitter. It's major underscore revisions. That's good too. Yeah, reach out to us. Or if you have somebody who you would recommend, like that, you know, that's really cool too. We're glad to reach out to them. I think we want to steer away from like straight up interviews moving forward. That's not really our. But we'll talk to you about stuff. Yeah, like we want somebody who's like interested, but we would prefer, I think, it more to be like, we want you to be in, we'd like people who are involved and you can kind of be in the the course of this. You know, this is, this is not Radiolab. This is not Star Talk. This is a different thing. And that's good too. It's a big umbrella. Everything is niche content at this point anyway. There is no you know, cultural zeitgeist, for better or worse. I don't know, man. Gene and Jorts, they're everywhere. Jorts? Jorts? You don't know they're fucking cats? I know Jorts isn't like the Gene denim shorts. Is that what we're talking oh, about? Oh, fuck. What are, what are you talking I'm about? Long, man. Hold on. What? No, all right. No, just, tell me this. Just, I'm going to Google this. What do I need to Google? Uh, it, it's on, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a social media thing. I think it originated on Twitter. Jenna Jorts? Um, Gene and Jorts. They're two cats. They're really fucking cool. <laughs> Jorts the cat? Yeah, Jorts the cat. Uh, there's a there's a whole backstory. I, I don't I don't I'll probably get parts of it wrong, so I'm not gonna go into it. But I mean it's an it's, it's an great. adorable looking cat, I give you that. Dude, it's it's the best thing that's happened on social media in like the last Mm, month. How, how right. a weird orange cat became a beacon of joy on Reddit. Who is Jorts the cat? Well, okay, I want to share the only thing that I know of. And, and, and thing. have you have you seen the Wordle? W O R D L E. Yeah, it's everywhere. I don't know what it that's, is. That's I mean, I how idea, much but... in the dark that I am. Is that I didn't learn about Wordle till yesterday. Um, but dude, you you gotta you gotta get up on Gene and Jorts because it's great. Okay, that's my goal. I'm gonna get up on Gene and Jorts. I, I have nothing to report to you because, like I said, I'm a hermit. So, if I had something, you can always come down and come down and play Battlefield with me. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know how to play that. It's okay. You'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> it's very unrestful, though. So I don't think it'll help with your resolutions. <laughs> Nor is it it's shitty for time management, too. Um, Cool. Well, thank you all for uh, for listening, tuning us in. Remember, you can find us wherever you know good podcasts and I guess bad podcasts as well are hosted, and um, find us online, Ranger underscore Revisions, or shoot us in electronic mail at Major Revisions Show at Gmail, which is an electronic mail service of some sorts hosted by the Google Corporation. Well, Google under the Alphabet Corporation, outside of the metaverse. Fuck the metal. <laughs> <laughs> right. we, we will talk to y'all later. <laughs> <laughs>